today on It's Time. You see, God always provides for us before we get where we're going. That's how you know you're being led by God. I hear the calling, it's time. It's time. It's time. Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler. Pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Today, he's going verse by verse through the book of Revelation. So turn there in your Bible as we join Pastor Mike. If you have your Bible this morning, if you'll open them to the book of Revelation chapter 12, let's pray. Father, as we go to your word today, we just ask you now that your Holy Spirit would speak to us and give us that wisdom, that insight that comes only from you. Lord, this book was written by your Holy Spirit, and I know without your Holy Spirit, we would never be able to truly understand it. And so now as we study together, may your Holy Spirit Remind us, confirm to us, you've made a promise. And that promise is that you will take us to be with you forever. And so as we read these words, help it motivate us to be good witnesses for you while we're still here. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, chapter 12 starts off and it says, Now there was a sign appeared in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun. Now that's not something you usually see every day. A woman clothed with the sun. Something very brilliant about this woman that God gives great adoration to. Notice it says, clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a garland of 12 stars. And then being with child, she was carried out in labor, uh, she cried out in labor, and pain in pain giving birth. Now, again, this is reminiscent, if we go back to the book of Genesis chapter 37, we remember uh, Joseph had a dream, and he came to his parents, and he said, I had a dream, and he gave this description, very similar to what you find here, concerning the nation of Israel. And the 12 stars and all, the 12 tribes of Israel. And being with child, she cried out with, in labor uh, and as she was uh, giving birth. And so verse 3, it says, Another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great fiery red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns and seven diadems on his heads. And he drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth to devour her child as soon as it was born. You'll notice that in your Bible, the word child is capitalized. And the reason why is because that is speaking of Jesus Christ. You see, the nation of Israel gave birth to Jesus Christ. We know that soon... As this child, Jesus, was born, the devil wanted to destroy it. 
We remember Joseph being warned in a dream to take the uh, young baby Jesus to Egypt. He got out of Herod's jurisdiction. You see, the devil has always desired to thwart the plan of God, whether it be in the nation of Israel or whether it be in your own personal life. You're divinely and wonderfully made, the Bible says. No one has ever been like you ever before on this earth. No one will ever be like you ever again when you leave this earth. You are unique, designed by God. Now, here's something to remember. When you become a Christian and you ask God to come into your life, the Bible says old things pass away, behold, all things become new. Now you're about your father's business, not about yours. And by the way, this is where the war of the spirit and the flesh take over so strongly, because I know there's things I want to do, and there's things that I know God wants me to do, and these two fight within each other. And you say, well, which one wins? Well, I believe it's the one you feed. If you feed the flesh, you're going to reap the flesh. If you feed the spirit, you're going to reap the spirit. That's why the Bible warns us about sowing to the flesh. Because again, you don't just, when you go out here in the field in the spring of the year and you plant one kernel of corn in the ground, you don't get one kernel of corn on the stock when at the end of the harvest season, you get a lot. You get maybe three or four ears of corn on the stock. And there's lots of little ears, lots of little corns on those stocks. Well, that's the thing. We need to be about our father's business. And so God wants us to fulfill what he's called you and me to do. As we studied last week, the two witnesses, and when their testimony was completed, God allowed them to be killed, and they were caught up to be in heaven. Now again, when our testimony here on this earth is done, we're out of here. I believe until your testimony is completed, it doesn't matter how much people hammer on you, it doesn't matter how much the devil hammers on you, your purpose, when it's done, you're out of here. Until your purpose is done, you're indestructible. I think that's pretty cool. Because a lot of times, we'll give up on ourselves, but God doesn't give up on you. You see, a lot of them, oh, I've blown it, I'm this, I'm that, and the devil comes along with his condemnation, oh, you're nothing but a, you know, scum. The devil cuts you down, says you're so low you can't look up to see down. That's how low you are. Well, that's not the way God looks at you. God looks at you as a, uh, as a, uh, a child of his that's been empowered by his spirit. And, and do you know that when you got saved, when you accepted Christ, God knew all the mistakes that you would make in your life and still chose you to be on his team. I, I like that. Because so often I find in my own life that, that I think, well, God, you know, you must be really hard up in your kingdom to get somebody like me to do your work. God says, not at all. You see, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You were designed for God's purpose. And when we turn our life over to him, there's nothing that the devil wants to do more than stop you from doing that. The devil wanted to stop the nation of Israel from bringing forth the Messiah. And so once Messiah was born, we remember Herod then sent out to kill all the little babies two years old and under in the land of, in the land of Israel where, where Jesus was at. 
And the Bible says there was a great wailing that went up from Israel because of this great slaughter that went on. But Jesus had been taken out of the land. Now what's amazing, we remember when Jesus was born and maybe when he was somewhere around one or two years old, right before this great thing, this terrible thing that Herod did, the wise men came. And we remember what they brought him. What did he bring him? Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Well, frankincense is what a priest would offer before the Lord. That was that, uh, that beautiful smelling incense type smell. Myrrh, interestingly enough, was something you brought for a dead person. It was kind of like embalming fluid. And gold, well, that's how God provided for Joseph and Mary to go to Egypt. You see, God always provides for us before we get where we're going. That's how you know you're being led by God. When God already has made the crooked places straight, as it says in Isaiah. So because of that, the devil knew that Messiah was to be born. And so soon as Jesus was born, the devil sought to kill him. Now we also know that Satan in Isaiah 14 was a beautiful angel. Until one day the Bible says he was filled with pride. And he said, I'll be like the most high God. And we remember that in his rebellion against God, here we find a third of the stars, a third of the other angels fell with him. Now notice it says he drew a third of those stars, verse 4, threw them to the earth. And and, and the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth to devour a child as soon as it was born. And she bore a male child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up to God and to his throne. Now, by the way, that's what happened when Jesus ascended into heaven. He accomplished what the Father wanted him to accomplish when he died on the cross for our sins. And then verse 6, Then the woman fled into the wilderness, where she has a place prepared by God, that they should feed her there for 1,260 days, or three and a half years. Now, again, The devil is mad at the nation of Israel, has always been. I think this is why you've seen the wrath poured out upon Israel over and over again. I think this is where the whole anti-Semitic ideal comes from throughout and down through the history of ages, culminating uh, at least up to that point at the the pinnacle of uh, Adolf Hitler's killing of some six million Jews, just killing people because they were Jewish. How horrible. Well, that's what he did. And because of that, the United Nations felt so so sorry for the Jewish nation that they made a proclamation in 1947 and in 1948 that Israel would once again get their land back and they got their land back and against incredible odds, Israel came under Jewish control, just as the Bible said it was. See, this is why we know we're in a different time than any other time in history. A hundred years ago, if somebody was to say, oh, they've been saying Jesus is going to come back, you know, well, I, I could understand that a little bit because the nation of Israel didn't exist. 
In fact, if you get into some of the older commentaries of the Bible, and I, I really like reading commentaries, there's a great place to go. You can go to blueletterbible.org, Blue Letter Bible. And there's several commentaries by uh, a lot of, uh, of different well-known pastors and authors. And, and, but one of them is Matthew Henry, uh, penned about the 1700s. And what was really interesting as you read this, he says, it appears that the nation of Israel is going to be a nation again, but I don't see how that could ever be. Never underestimate God. And here, then Jesus said in Luke chapter 21, he said, Jerusalem would be trodden down of the Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles is fulfilled. What? When Jesus said that, it was under Roman control. In 70 AD, when Titus came in, this Roman general leveled the city of Jerusalem and burned it to the ground and tore its buildings down. What a ridiculous prophecy Jesus made that Jerusalem would come under Jewish control again. It's gone. It doesn't even exist. In fact, Titus would only let the Jews go back into the city of Jerusalem once a year, where the city of Jerusalem was once a year, the day it was destroyed, as total mockery. And yet, you look at it, it's there today. It's a thriving place. It's now the capital of Israel, just as Jesus said it would be. Against incredible odds, it's exactly. But what's also in Luke chapter 21, Jesus said the generation that sees that, Jerusalem under Jewish control, is the last generation. We're at the end, friends. This is it. This is the final wrap. I've often told people, if you're going to do something for God, do it now. You may not have the opportunity. You may not be here. The people you want to minister to may not be here. Be about your daddy's business. That's what it's about. And so the Bible says that God divinely protects the nation of Israel because she, in fact, did bring forth the man-child. Now, why is that? Because so many of the prophecies in the Bible surround the rebuilt nation of Israel. How can you have an end-time scenario of God's judgment on the world, God dealing with his nation of Israel, if God is finished with the nation of Israel. That's why replacement theology that's out there saying, well, God's done with Israel. All the promises to Israel now apply to the church, and God has nothing more to do with Israel than he does with Guatemala. Ridiculous. And when you look and see why this is, the devil hates the Jews because they're part of God's overall plan. The devil's a weird creature. Brilliant, beautiful, the Bible says, Isaiah chapter 14, and yet totally warped. Think about that for a minute. Who is this creature that would have such wisdom, such beauty, and yet it went to his head and tweaked him? You see, pride always, whether it's a human being or whether it's the devil, will warp you to reality. That's why the Bible says, don't think high, more highly of yourselves than you ought to think. Why is that? Because we get a false idea of who we are. We look in the mirror, yeah, I'm Gucci. <laughs> We're just fooling ourselves, man. Hey, Wednesday, 
I was up just trucking around, doing, I was cruising good. And then I got up on Thursday. And Thursday I couldn't get out of bed. And I'm going, what is going on? My foot wouldn't work. And, and, and just sharp pain. And I thought, this is, this is weird. So I thought, you know, I'm going to go to quick care. And so I went there and they flopped my foot up on the x-ray table. And she comes in afterwards and she says, you've got a bone chip in your foot and it's wedged between the two uh, bones in your, in your foot. And so when you walk, that's why it's so painful is because that's like somebody driving a wedge between your joints and your foot. And I, I went and I was doing so good the day before. And it's funny how just one day can change things. What I'm saying is that we need to do what we can do for God while we can do it. We don't always know what tomorrow holds. But the thing is, is, it, is you, you look at that and you think, you know, things can be going such, well, the devil thinks if he can ruin Israel, it'll ruin the book of Revelation. None of God's word will come true. And so therefore the devil wins. That's what pride does. It warps you. Talk to a person that's on their deathbed. Uh, they're ready to die. I've had this happen to me. I've shared this story before. I was up at the hospital and the uh, doctor come out and said he's only got a couple hours to live. Go in and give him his last rites, whatever you want to do. So I walked in there. The guy had tubes coming out of his nose and out of his ears. And I mean, he looked like spaghetti factory. And I said, I just want to tell you, John, you're, you're getting ready to go on a journey. And I, I want to make sure that you're ready to go on that journey. He goes, well, when I get out of here in a week, I'm going to, and he started telling me all the things that he's going to do and go work on his boat. And I'm going, no, you're done, dude. And he couldn't grasp that because in his mind, he still thought that he had the tiger by the tail. And that's the problem. Pride blinds us to reality. Satan is blinded. If I can thwart, destroy Israel, it'll ruin the plan of God. And if the devil can't do it, he'll often use bad doctrine in churches to do it. And saying, God is finished with the nation of Israel. God has nothing more to do with it. It's called replacement theology. Extremely dangerous teaching. Because it thwarts God's dealing with the nation of Israel. Why is that so important? Because God made a promise to Israel that through you, all the nations of the world would be blessed. And what's even more so is that because God makes a promise, and even though Israel has not been faithful to God today, some people believe that if Jesus was to come, walk the streets of Israel today, today in the streets of Israel, that they would crucify him just like they did 2,000 years ago. Israel's not a godly nation. But that didn't stop God from being good to them. Remember, if God has made a promise to them and he kept it even though they weren't faithful, how much more will God keep a promise to you that you're his child and he's going to see you through even sometimes when we falter sometimes, but when you have a desire to see his work done? Well, he says, verse 7, this is something we don't think about. We think about heaven and we think about angel food cake and big clouds. 
and a war broke out in heaven. That is not something that usually I think about. Here's heaven where we think everything's perfect and a war breaks out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and the dragon and his angels fought. This is weird. Now remember this. I believe we'll be in heaven. I believe you're going to see this as it plays out. Now, I don't know what this is going to do. I think God gives the command for Satan to get out of heaven. Now, remember this. Where's the devil today? Well, he sells fireworks in a fireworks stand, and he's got little pitchforks. No. Well, he lives in hell, you know. No, he doesn't live in hell. The book of Job says he roams the earth accusing the brethren. Book of Job tells us that. The Bible tells us in the New Testament that he's the, he's the accuser of the brethren and he accuses them day and night. That's what the devil does. This is the end of his accusing the brethren. This is where he's thrown into the, down to the earth, eventually into the pit. His reign of terror is over. It says, they fought, but they did not prevail. Verse 8 nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He's cast into the, to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. It's interesting to me that God allowed the angels that rebelled against him to still have access to heaven. Now, the Bible tells us that some of the angels that fell with Lucifer are so fierce that they're chained in the bottom of the Euphrates River. We also know that they are in part on this earth, but we also know that they're in heaven too, as it says here in his angels' spot. And there was no place found for them in heaven anymore. And I heard a a loud voice saying in heaven, now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony and they did not love their lives unto death. And by the way, that's your testimony. We didn't love our lives unto death. You know, God, whatever you want, that's what I'm going to do. Even if it kills me, I'm going to be about your business. Now, a lot of people say, well, I don't know, Mike, if I have that kind of faith. I remember the story that Corey Ten Boom gave about when they were moving around in, in uh, that place in uh, occupied Germany and And as they went down to the train station, uh, her father didn't give her the ticket to get on the train until they were right in line to get on the train. I look at it the same way, that God will give you the ticket, whatever is required of us to stand for our relationship with God when the time comes. I think God doesn't give us the ticket sometimes before knowing we'd probably lose it. But God gives us what we need when we need it. Always know that he will. 
That's why we have a God that supplies all of our needs according to His riches and glory. Thanks for joining us on It's Time as Pastor Mike teaches verse by verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com. On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening. And tune in next time for It's Time.